This is Cinema Degeneration. <laughs> no. Why? why? Why is that funny? Look, look. You came to me to find out how guys like Mike and Chucky and Freddie do what they do, not why. Obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. <laughs> that boy, he's going to be the best yet. There are 11 exits from the first floor. Another eight or nine that might be manageable from the second floor. <laughs> All the obvious weapons are set. Are you doing We're this? not going to have this conversation. Oh, why? What, you, you have no idea who you're dealing with. So how will this play out? How will this work? You won't like what you see. I promise you that. Make sure you're getting this. Go! Oh, start up. filming those cameras, boys. I cannot stand here and let this happen. Don't you get it? We're in this now. We're part of this equation. We're right where he wants us. All of us. You have to tell me. What happens to me? Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration, and we are bringing you an all-new appreciation month this month, the month of October, and the foul year of our Lord, 2022. We are doing single-serving slashers, slasher movies without remakes, without sequels, without reboots or reimaginings, just standalone slasher movies that we all feel are very special, near and dear to our hearts, and probably deserve a sequel or two, especially this one. 
this week or this uh, evening rather we are doing behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon from 2006 more, more a lot more uh, recent than our previous outings rituals uh, from 77 this one's a good 30 years later so we're we're jumping all around here uh, joining me this evening i keep saying evening i, I it's 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 a, it's a reflux <laughs> but uh I, I can't get out of this. this evening we are presenting uh but uh joining me today we'll say is my good buddy derek worley how are we doing hey doing awesome so happy to be here yet again yeah for another appreciation month i think the last one we did was hobo with a shotgun yeah hobo with a shotgun with uh tom commissar yeah a, that was a good a one ton of fun <laughs> but it's just us this evening got see i can't get out of my fucking mouth <laughs> but we're doing the rise of leslie vernon and before i get into the quick imdb synopsis i gotta ask for all like i'm asking only because the folks at home listening our listeners may not know but this movie is extremely special to you and yes. i know this it's a special it's a special slasher to me too but it's really special to you so maybe you can give us a little bit of your history with this film and uh, like what maybe what it was like the first time you saw it Oh yeah, so um, I actually like like we were just talking before we went live. I actually went on uh, live on or not live. I posted on Facebook just this super long winded post about how special this movie is to me. Uh, you know, when around the time this movie came out is uh, I was I was in middle school at the time, and uh, I was just starting to really get into horror movies and things like that. And um, I had a cousin who actually worked for Anchor Bay, and he would like give me you know, free copies of movies that they were distributing at the time. And, uh, but he, that was one he actually didn't have. And he was like, well, if you can seek this out, you need to see this movie. And I remember going to Walmart. Uh, and as soon as I saw the cover with the mask, um, cause the regular cover is just Leslie on the cover, but the, the slip cover that certain copies had, had, had the mask and it was just so eerie and creepy. And uh, I was like, man, I read the back and I was like, yeah, this is this is coming home with me. And this was this is back, <laughs> back when you could buy an R rated movie being, you know, like 13 or 14 and, and like at Walmart and they wanted bad an eye. Now they card you for like a PG-13 movie. <laughs> <It was very laughs> different times. Um, you know, I watched it. I fell in love and I was just watching it constantly, you know, because that was around the time. Uh, when, you know, movies like Hatchet were also coming out. So it's like all those new age slasher movies. I was like becoming such a huge fan of these. And because um, obviously growing up with the classics, getting to see newer movies that were like that, because at the time you weren't getting a lot of good slashers. It no, was just, you weren't. Yeah, that, that era was, so was like bigger slashers, was it? Yeah, no, it really wasn't. So, I mean, it was fresh and it just felt cool. And, uh, you know, around the time, knowing that I wanted to get into uh, filmmaking, you know, seeing these movies that were basically independent, that were, you know, making waves, they were being talked about in Fangoria and stuff. I was like, man, yeah, this is this is cool. So, um, you know, I watched it. I made like a Leslie Vernon cosplay that I started wearing to different cons. Um, this, I mean, introduced me to so many cool people. And uh, over the years, um, I was actually privileged enough to. Uh, in 2017, um, I got to do uh, artwork for the digital re-release of Behind the Mask uh, for Amazon. So if you go on Amazon and look at the digital release, the artwork is actually my artwork. And I still have the painting somewhere in my uh, nice. archives. 
Um, but I got to do that. And then soon thereafter, the Blu-ray got announced and then released in 2018. Uh, in 2012, I went to a Horror Hound weekend in Columbus and got to meet Scott Glosserman and Nathan Basil. And they signed a picture of Leslie that I had drawn up. And I mean, I, I it, it was crazy. You know, Nathan Thomas Milliner, who does all the art, well, used to do all the artwork for Screen Factory. Uh, he does art for like Fry Rags and all that. He's uh, a fellow filmmaker based out of Louisville. And uh, he actually, this past year, uh, asked me if I would be willing to pose in my Leslie Vernon cosplay for him to use as reference for uh, one of the comic books because he had done the comics through like the 2016-2017 era and they were going to be releasing a hardcover omnibus and he's like, you know, he's he's like, I know this movie's special to you. Would you do that for me? And I'm like, absolutely. So it's, <laughs> it's Yeah, like, you're going to be like a model for Leslie Vernon. Like, no, 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 I don't want to. You know? that, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild because I tell people all the time, you know, everybody knows that I'm a huge heavy metal nerd everybody knows that i'm like obsessed with iron maiden and that like when it comes to art um you know everyone knows i'm in horror stuff everyone knows i'm a big like frank frazetta fan with fantasy and stuff but um this is one of those kind of unique things that like you know like i said if you ask me what my favorite horror movie is this is always one that has to come up in conversation because it's criminally underrated i don't feel like enough people know about it and i feel like if more people knew, I'd feel like we'd have two or three sequels by this point, you know, I think. Right, right. Definitely. And I, maybe as it because I feel like when the when the Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray release got announced, it blew up. People were freaking out about it. They were all excited. I'm like, has it really got this much of a cult following? And I was like, how do we not have a sequel? But I feel like it's just people who've kind of discovered it over the years. Because um, there's always been that cult following, you know, you'd always go to a con and see right. like, one person dressed up or see one person with a shirt or, you know, they did some action figures there for a bit. And Trick or Treat Studios did like a mask and like a scythe and all this stuff. So it's like there's always been somewhat of like a market for it. And I feel like now more than ever, the more people I talk to uh, when Leslie Vernon's brought up, I'm noticing now more than ever people are familiar. People are like, oh, yeah, I saw that on Shudder. Or, yeah, I watched that years ago. And I was like, oh, man, I, I loved that movie. And it, it just seems like, especially with it landing on Shudder there for a hot minute, I feel like really helped draw people to the movie. And, um, you know, yeah. So when, when you told me you're doing this, I was like, yes, this has to be the one we do. <laughs> wasn't even a question of which it, movie you were going to pick. No question. I mean, it's like, of, of course, like I said, I, I thought about um, Stage Fright slash Aquarius there for a second. But I was like, nah, it, it's got to be Leslie, man. I, I got to do my boy some justice. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I, I I had a less, it had, it had a less impactful uh uh, you know, impression on, on me when I first saw it, like, cause I first saw it, I was on a date mm -hmm. and it, it was not a great date. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it at that. It was not a great day. It was not going over. Well, it was uh, one of our first kind of like hanging out at the house, getting to know you kind of moments. And mm -hmm. it, it was just, it was, it was quickly realizing there wasn't going to be another date. So <laughs> I don't remember the movie that much. At that point, I didn't remember it. Like, so I saw it about two months later and was just like, oh, this is what, 
you know, <laughs> this is what I was missing when I was, uh, you know, fighting cats, uh, cats and dogs <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and my God, it, 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 it was everything at the time that the, it was weird. It was at a turning point in where, where I was at with horror because I was in a weird place with horror in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it came along and it, it succeeded to me where I'm going to get some flack for this, where I think movies like Scream, we already had this conversation, you yeah. know, po- post or pre-show. And, you know, where I feel like Scream failed with the meta type stuff, or at least failed to a certain degree. And the way they for lack of a better term, went metal with this one. We're having to take place in a world where Michael Myers and Chucky and Jason and Freddie exist as real people. You know, they did nice by touching base on that in the beginning, but not showing them, not going over the top with it. Because I think this, you know, in different hands, this movie could have been, you know, way over the top and not like grounded in a sort of sense of reality. Like with the Eugene character. I, I mean, I love me some Leslie Vernon. Don't get me wrong, but like the man here is Eugene. I love seeing Scott Wilson <laughs> pre, you know, pre-rehearsal. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's just when they're going through all the moments of like how they train. It's just a this whole movie is a chef's kiss. I want I'm going to be using the term chef's kiss a lot uh, today when we <laughs> we get into this. But yeah, everything about it is a chef's kiss. And and I totally agree with you on Scream because I feel like, you know, and, and once again, we had this conversation and, and by no means am I bashing Scream at all. Because like I, like I said, you know, Scream is a franchise. It's fun. It's cool. And you know what? I think it's a great um, entry level film into the horror world. I think it's been a it's been a good introductory film for a lot of people who helped people, you know, discover yeah, oh, I yeah. Like scary movies, and 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 that's in for that alone. That movie is definitely a classic, and obviously, it's it has four sequels to it, so it's become you know a cultural phenomenon of sorts. And I think with Scream, it's like they keep it kind of rooted in realism, where it's like, oh yeah, these kids are doing this because of movies or whatever, or you know, however it changes over time. But with something like this. They, they make it hit home, I think, a little bit more to the horror fans because, like you said, it exists in a world where Freddy, Michael, Jason, Chucky, all these guys are real. And and so it's like the world is terrorized by these killers and stuff. And, and a, a little fun thing about the Eugene character, which we'll get more to him, you know, a little bit later on. But oh, I know what you're getting he, at. I know what you're getting at. They've almost alluded to him being... Uh, Billy from um, from Black Christmas, you know, and it's just like, man, that would be pretty wild, you know. So it's like, it's just these little references and things like that that just make it a treat for for the hardcore horror fans, and you know, things that when I first watched it kind of went over my head a little bit. But as there's definitely I, things in the background that I don't remember seeing. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it was just like things I've caught. I'm just like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. And it's just it's it's just amazing, you know, and just things that are said in passing, things that are just kind of, you know, set pieces in the background. There's just there's so much there to see. And I just feel like as far as movies being meta, like, yeah, it screams meta. But like this took that to a whole nother level that I feel like if if this movie came out within the last five years, man, we'd already have three sequels in the works just because this is the kind of stuff people want to see. Uh, you know, when you talk about like 
you know, like Marvel Cinematic Universes and stuff. And it's like, this was trying to do that way before all that was big. And it's just, I, I just very much, I think it was um, super ahead of its time. And I think that's like the coolest thing about it is it took some ideas that aren't exactly fresh and new, but it spruced them up and somehow did them better but also managed to be ahead of its time. It's just such a unique film. And it's just, it, like you said, chef's kiss. It's, it, yeah. it, it is nearly perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I have very little issues with this movie. It's like near per damn near perfection. Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, let's, uh, we talked about the, the general aspects of the movie. Let's go ahead and get into the, the meat and potatoes of the film. And I'll start Absolutely. off with the uh, IMDB synopsis. All right. Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006 is as follows. The next great psycho horror slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echoes. And uh, oh, it's, 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 it's that, but a whole lot more. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be give, singing this movie a whole lot of praise. I'm, you're not going to hear me say much bad about this movie. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I, I just love the uh, the opening. And what must uh, mention, though, I mean, it is written <clears throat> by uh, Scott Glosserman and directed by Scott Glosserman and also uh, written by David J. Steve or Steve. I, I might be mispronouncing your name, sir, so I apologize. <laughs> but I love the way it opens, you know, with, with a taste of Springwood, Crystal Lake, Haddonfield, and who can't love the fact that they have the actual Elm Street, 1428 Elm Street house with Kane Hodder standing on the front steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of the in-your-face cameo. That's the, we had him for one afternoon. He flew in, <laughs> did his, his his one day of work looking menacing on the front door steps, and he, and he got the hell out the door. <laughs> But, you know, it, it's a nice little cameo. and uh, It is a got... fun one. And I didn't even realize who, I mean, being so early into my horror, you know, uh, fandom, that uh, that totally went over my head until, like, years later. I'm like, oh, shit, that's, that's the guy. And that was uh, also kind of just like a fun little nod to, like, Freddy versus Jason in a way, if you think about it. Yes, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Jason had moved into Freddy's house, so I guess just like in the movie, he won. I guess. Yeah. Well, depending on how you, how you look at it, because a lot of people debate who really, quote unquote, air quotes here, won that one. But uh, uh, we got to give it up for Nathan Bissell. Oh, he, yes. He embodies everything I love about a, a fun, loving slasher. Like he's somebody who likes his job and that's mm-hmm. what he looks about it. it it's his calling. It's, it's, it's not so much. You know, not just his calling, but it's his job. He treats it like a nine-to-five. He 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 does cardio. He does planning. He does prep work. He, he's he's almost like, and I hate to say it because I would be killed if I was in the, in the confines of the movie, but it's like when uh, I think it's, uh, I can't remember whether it's uh, Doug or Todd. He says, oh, it's kind of like, you know, baking a pie, you know, or in the, having, you know, a bunch of cooks in the kitchen doing this, and like you're having a pie going while you're working on this and that, and then he just looks at him. Yeah. <laughs> and just like really dude but that's the way i equate it i because me coming from the background of being a cook it's mm-hmm. just like i see him doing prep work and doing cardio i'm just like that's just plot planning and you know multitasking absolutely and and again 
you know, giving it up for Nathan because I mean, right off the bat, uh, from the because we're introduced to him actually pretty quick into the film. I mean, they don't really, and that's the pacing in this movie is done very well because um, we we get all the exposition we need and then we kind of just like get right into it. And yeah, I mean, we moment, we don't get you know from the opening we just get the documentary crew kind of giving a quick how do you do and three minutes later they're right off into let's let's go meet Leslie Vernon. Absolutely. And from the moment he graces the screen, I mean, just the the personality, the charisma, I mean, he's just oozing with personality. And he just like he he lives this character. He is this character and, and it could be no one else. Um, you know, it's just in, in the documentary team, you know, uh, Angela as Taylor Gentry. She, I mean, she's I mean, a spectacular person where, you know, she's timid but also she takes charge of situations and she's just such a well-balanced character uh and and then you know uh, the guys behind the camera uh just <laughs> they're they're the comedic relief and i mean it's just like you're convinced that this is an actual just group of you know uh maybe college students or just indie filmmakers who are just trying to make a documentary you know and it's just they they really drive that home and uh, for, I mean, from start to finish, every character in this movie plays their character so well. Like they they are living these parts, and uh, and like you said, you know, Leslie handles this as like, hey, you know, this is this is my job, this is my calling, this is what I'm meant to do, and it, it's no different than like watching like, you know, uh, a sixty minutes episode where they're interviewing like a an auto or. or uh, uh, what would I say? A um, like an air pilot, you know, or if they're interviewing like a trucker or a cop or a firefighter or you know a teacher, like you know, how do you do what you do? What's your day to day like? And it's it feels like you're actually getting that behind the scenes look at right. what it would be like to be a, a a horror movie style serial killer. And it's just it, that in itself is hilarious, and that's something I think a lot of people don't recognize is this movie's totally a horror comedy like this movie is hilarious like from start almost to finish because it does get less funny as it goes on but there is well the the more it goes on the more it becomes all very real because i think at first the documentary crew i don't know if they believe what's going on i think they're just playing they're playing along at first because uh taylor and and doug and todd they're you know they're just you know, the interviewer, the sound guy, the cameraman, and I do like the Todd character one point. Well, I don't, I don't want to get too far far ahead of myself. We'll get to this part in a little while. <laughs> but, yeah, really, if there's any MVP here, it's definitely Nathan. And it kind of helps that I've met him a couple of times at a few shows. Mm-hmm. And he is a very personable guy and just a very nice fella. And I had a very good impression of him when I met, met him. You know, sometimes they say, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, that was one instance where I was glad I met my hero, one of my heroes, because he was just a great fellow. On a side note, yeah, he's but, he's a great dude, and you know, I think I don't think he takes any of the fame that he's garnered from playing this character for granted. Like he is so humble and just so incredibly sweet. I mean, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and and as you saw when I made my big post, he's like, "Dude, I love all this love. You know, keep keep it on. You know," and it's just like. I in even recently there's a YouTube channel called Dead Meat, and uh, this guy James Janice will do reviews on horror movies, and then 
no count. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the dead meat. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, familiar with he, them. He did an episode on Behind the Mask late last year, and Nathan was in that episode reprising his role as Leslie Vernon for his Get to the Numbers skit. And I lost my absolute shit. I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, he's 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 in the costume again. And it was <laughs> it was so cool to see that. And and like I said, as such a huge fan of this movie, getting to see that again was I mean, it, it was like Christmas, man. It was it was such a cool thing. And I But, but was it like cool Black movie. Christmas? Oh, <laughs> I, if only. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you best know, joke I got. I know why I no, don't write no, I love it. I live for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 so cool, and he's such a good guy, and it's just like, again, uh, his his just his charisma from the moment he's on screen. I think it's it's one of those uh, performances that I feel like everybody remembers, and everyone should remember, uh, just because of how you know, truly iconic it was. And, and like you said, you know, meeting the guy and how cool and sweet he is. I think it makes it that much more fun to watch and it makes it, you know, that much more, you know, it, it makes yeah. you feel good about loving the movie. Cause it's like, yeah. Yeah. It makes it, it doesn't, are cool. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you watch stuff and it's hard to separate the, the art from the artist and, you know, because sure. they can be problematic and whatnot <laughs> at times, but it's just like, Oh, like, this guy's an actually decent guy. You want you want to root for him, like even as the character, you want to root for him. Which I always kind of root for the bad guy, anyway. So I don't, I don't know what that's. But in this, you're not sure. It's like, man, should I root for this guy? Is it really <laughs> happening? Because, like you said, it, you kind of go in with like, is this real? Like, is this a satire? Like, what is going on? And that yeah, that's especially that that you know, one of that first viewing, it's just like you, you don't know like when the hammer's going to drop. You know, yeah. it's just like <laughs> when's it's going to get real. Uh, but it, the, the movie made me, uh, it also made me fall back in love with found footage again. Oh, yeah. I kind of gotten tired of found footage. It seemed like in the wake of Blair Witch Project, everything was found footage. And I know it, that's not the entire film because it does, you know, I wouldn't say flip flops back and forth between real footage and found footage, but it, it makes that nice transition. It never feels forced. It feels very well written when all of a sudden it just like, becomes a real film and you're in a you know i'm using air quotes here a hollywood film and it's just it does so so flawlessly especially when it does it you know in the last act and it just makes that complete transition it never feels forced it doesn't and and i would even say it feels like what what i would call found footage done right where it feels like a documentary it feels like a documentary you'd watch on netflix like it feels well put together it's not some Joe Schmo with a camcorder. It's like they have at least the basic stuff needed to be filming what they are and they have a reason to be doing it. And it just, that makes it kind of adds to the realism. Um, and I think the way it kind of hops back and forth between found footage and cinematic at different points throughout the film mm. and then goes full cinematic. I think, I, I don't think I've ever seen another movie do that. Really, I can't. Ever. I, I like, don't know that I've ever seen anything do that. I mean, there might be something out there, but I have. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's something, but it's like, you know, again, the first time seeing this at that point in time, because I mean, people got to remember this was like 2006. Like, you know, your indie films at the time were like, you know, straight to video, shot on video. They were, um, you know, your sci fi original stuff, which was actually kind of decent back at that time. And then, like, you know, you had your big Hollywood movies and stuff. It, it, it wasn't indie film like it is now where, like, an indie movie is going to get, like, 
really good distribution and maybe hit theaters and it can land on shutter and it's like it wasn't even like that at the point so there wasn't a <laughs> no. lot of that ex- accessible but this was also so much different from everything at the time you know this is at a time when like the quote-unquote torture porn was big so you know you had like saw and hostile and it's like that stuff's fine but it's there was no there was no smart horror there was not smart slashers let alone something that mixed found footage with some really dark comedy and it just it and you it really sets the tone in those first you know the first introduction then he's talking about like uh they they get in that room and they they kind of have the two cameras set up and they're going between taylor and leslie and yeah yeah, he's yeah. like you know tell us how, and he's like i can't just tell you you know he's like it's it's more than just you, you got to see it you got to experience it and then he's like all right well let's go and he just gets up and they're like where are we going oh, no. <laughs> and, and, oh we're gonna like, go yeah, check well, out my house <laughs> yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the house and then uh you know when they eventually then go stalk the final girl for the first time and he's like trying to explain you know this is how you pick him out and from you know this distance i love you know, the steps you notice I love how he does the steps. Step one, yes. cardio. Step two, uh, find find a girl. You yes. know, step three, the flyby. I mean, I just like he he explains everything to a T. Yeah. But it, once again, you know, he's giving them pieces of the puzzle while leaving some very important pieces out. Absolutely. You know what's going on. I do love the line. It's it's towards the beginning earlier on here when he's shown the place and they're like, why don't you, you know, do you own it? And he's like, yeah, not not that he's on the lease, but it's in a trust fund or something like mm-hmm. that. But he says, you know, why don't you just move in? He's like, well, I can't exactly be seeing mowing the lawn every day. Yeah. You know, and he, he <laughs> explains it, giving them this little nuances like that, that I just, again, there we go. Mwah, it, shut it's, it's just like, you know, when you watch a horror movie and you think about things like, well, who's up keeping that house? Or how does how does this work? And it's like if you were like on cinema sense. Why is there electricity like still there? <laughs> yes, and you're just like wondering these things. And this movie's like answering these age old questions or like of of well, how do the killers keep up with the people? And it's like, oh well when they're not looking, we're running. <laughs> you know, it's just but And he's got all those a, books. The fact yes. that he's got a small library and it's all how to books from, you know, you know, Grey's Anatomies and, and yeah, gra- yeah. yeah. It's it's just amazing that it shows that, hey, these killers, you know, they're not just some guys that one day throw on a mask and go on a rampage. Like, the, listen, we're sophisticated and we're smart about how we do what we do. Like, there's very strict rules and there's, you know, guidelines. And it's just like, again, it, it's hilarious to me just because, you know, from the average horror fan, they probably think, oh, yeah, it's just like Jason just throwing a mask. He starts hacking up teenagers like, oh, no, no, no. There's way more to it than that. And I'm going to show you guys. And it's, I, <laughs> I feel like if we were in a real world where killers like that did exist, like obviously we live in a world where crazy stuff does happen, but nothing like that. Yeah, uh, no, no Michael Myers. No we don't have any Michael something. Myers, you know, <laughs> yeah. but if we lived in a world where Michael Myers was real, I feel like this movie would happen in real life. Someone would want to interview a person like that. And, well, and it's, I feel like, like it's sort of to. similar to, to in, in, in a way, the aspect of Natural Born Killers, Robert Downey Jr. wanting to interview Mickey and Mallory Knox. Absolutely. And I think um, about shows like Mindhunters, you know, which is obviously based on true events, 
uh, with, you know, the them, you know, cross analyzing real life serial killers and things like that. And then them making the show based on the people who decided to do that so they could uh, for the FBI and all that and the CIA and so on and so on. And I just I'm like, man, I just feel like this this just feels like a thing that could actually happen. But if if we existed in that world and it's just there's so many layers to it and it's just so entertaining the the way they put it together and again it i I think if the performances weren't so really brilliantly portrayed i feel like you could lose someone super easy watching this um oh yeah get turned off so easy watching a movie like this uh but the performances just draw you in and you're just sold that okay yeah yeah serial killers do this stuff and they're yeah yeah i'm in I, I get it. You're <laughs> just like, yeah, totally. Like, I'm sold. It's <laughs> like, I kind of want to watch this, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, no, please, Leslie, tell me more about how you do Yeah, this. tell me more about how you do this. It's like when they get to, uh, you know, we, we've touched base on this a little bit, but Eugene, Scott Wilson. Yeah. You know, when he first shows up and he's like, yeah, he's my mentor. You know, he's taught me everything I know. But when he's in that uh, sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. You know, and it's just like. And his wife was like was named Jamie. Okay, you know we all know who she's na- named after, For and sure. the fact that there's somebody named Curtis in the movie too. So you know, so uh, Jamie Lee, we know who yep. you are. They, they do really <laughs> good with like the name, um, with naming characters after iconic horror characters, and uh, just all the name references. You know, even uh, which we'll touch on a little bit, but. Uh, Leslie's real name being uh, last name being Mancuso, which was a reference to um, uh, Frank Mancuso. And, you know, I think uh, the names of his turtles being Church and Zoe, uh, you know, you know, like I, I the- finally caught that this time around. I never caught that the other times I watched it. I yeah, totally so missed the, the Church and Zoe. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, from Pet Cemetery, of course. Um, and it's just it. It's little things like that that I think just really pull it together and I think give it just some kind of fun little, you know, uh, things to look for. Um, things just to gives it a little to. flavor, you know, a little flavor. Absolutely. It just it, it gives it a little spice, you know, um, it, it's just I, I, I love that stuff. And, you know, when, when they introduce him to um, uh, uh, Eugene, you know, Eugene, him, yeah, yeah. Getting him even talk about and again diving deeper into the meta, you know. Um, and he had been in that how, tank like, for three days. That was the part days. that I was. Yeah, he was just like laying in a sensory deprivation tank, just taking a nap, just chilling. Yeah, because he's like, oh, how long have I been there? He's like, what day is it? This day. And he's like, you've been down there for three days, and that was <laughs> just like, how is that even possible? But it's like there's that little tube sticking up out there he could obviously believe like, <laughs> right you know they're sitting there and they're talking and he's like you know people like you know michael and freddie he's like you know it's not like those days anymore you know you have the people they get sloppy you know they kill one or two and uh they get all the recognition but you know what we do and it's it's kind of like in a way uh talking about hell i don't even know what to relate it to but it's like if you're talking to someone who's a who's like a classical trained pianist and they're like, oh, right. yeah, you know what I do? I'm a musician and blah, blah, blah. But if you played them death metal, they'd probably be like, oh, well, that's not real music. You see what I do. And it, it, it kind of has that attitude of like, you know, people who just go out there and kill two or three people and, 
you know, make a mess of them. It's, there's no art to it. You know, there's no, you know, yeah. not following these rules. And it's just so entertaining <laughs> to hear him talk about, you know, back He's in somebody a little when, pining away for the glory days, you know? Yes. Glory days. <laughs> it's like, you know, we used to stock co-eds and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's kind of, um, insinuated that he's the killer from Black Christmas. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's yeah. I, so funny. I, I love that. I love that they just do that. This The one time they really, you know, they make a wink and a nod to it. Now I had read in the trivia section that they actually had planned to do a lot more of that. They just, certain things they had to cut from the script, you know, mm-hmm. or, or time and money and whatnot. But I would have loved to see more of that. You know, winks and nods to, to were, Black there Christmas. Was, there were several... Uh, scenes cut from the movie, which I didn't really realize until uh, fairly recently, um, that there was like scenes inside of a courtroom at one point uh, that were filmed, but ended up being cut out of the movie. And I mean, yeah, you as well as I know, because we both work on movies that what you write and what you film are completely different. And even stuff you film may not make it to the movie. You know, right? Yeah, it's a big difference between the written version and then the film version, and then much, much less to the, uh, uh, the you know, release. the edited version. Those are three totally different kind of movies that somehow you got to meet in the middle and have a, you know, because it might look good on the written page, but then when you get there on set, you're just like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I guess uh, when they're filming this movie, because again, it is pretty low budget. Um, they only had like certain locations at certain times, certain days. And um, there was even points where they had to rewrite uh, ooh, I almost sneezed. Uh, they had to rewrite um, uh, whole scenes like day of filming and days ahead of time while shooting the movie just because, oh, we lost this location. And it's like, oh, I've been I, there. I can relate to that so heavily. Oh, we um, both can. You, if you've been on more than one set, you've seen that happen many, oh, many absolutely. times. And um, so it's like a lot of stuff was changing as it went, but it's like... Watching the movie, I mean, you'd never guess that that they were dealing with stuff like that, you know, just because it just it it, it just everything flows so perfectly, um, you know, every scene that he's in, whether it's you know, talk about like the diner when they go out to eat and they first meet uh, his quote unquote Ahab, or you know, like uh, your your uh, Doctor Loomis to Michael. Uh, I love that they character. call him an Ahab. I love I, that because when they do when when he comes running out. And Leslie Vernon is like, I got an Ahab. I got an Ahab. And then Taylor screams, I got an Ahab. What's What's an Ahab? Ahab? (laughs) Like, she's so excited for him, but she's like, I don't know what this means. And when he explains it to him, which is essentially, it's it's a Loomis. It's, you know, your foil. It's, it's, you know, you're the antagonist. You know, not the antagonist, the protagonist that you got to fight against. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love that they call it an Ahab. The good versus evil, you know, and it. And at this point in time, you know, Leslie's kind of showed them, hey, here's the girl I'm stalking. And he's taken them by. They did the the um, the the wire with the brick trick to scare her. Uh, they had uh, planted the evidence in a Zelda Rubenstein from uh, Poltergeist made her. Yeah. In her uh, last final yeah. final uh, performance uh, in that movie. Uh, where she basically great scene. Uh, oh, super eerie scene where she's like, you know, hey. Um, Harbinger of doom, so to speak. Here, here, here's the story of Leslie Vernon and tells it to her. And then Leslie makes his first in costume appearance, which is haunting. Um, and it's kind of a weird scene because um, it's like implied that he kills uh, Zelda's character in that. Forget Although, the actual ca- name. Yeah. It's implied. Uh, you Ms- don't really Mrs. Collingwood. 
Yeah, Colin Jesse Collingwood. It, it, it's like implied, but like you never really see it happen. Um, so it's like really bizarre. But yeah, it's ed- it is see, edited a bit strange at that point. It is. Um, but again, the, that first glimpse of the costume is so like, holy shit, you know, and then you see the hand size and it's like, damn, son. Uh, right. Seeing Robert England pop up as this uh, Loomis character and you're just like, oh, shit. And I even read that because uh, I, I always like when you look at him, you're like, obviously, he's meant to look like you know loomis dr loomis but yeah he's got the beard he's got the jacket it's (laughs) definitely it's at least implied you know oh yeah they they copied that pretty heavily and i think it's a good reference piece you know and it i think uh robert england portrays this character so well because soon thereafter is when they bump into him at the uh the cafe and he's like oh you have no idea what you're dealing with it's almost like he knew that they were around it's almost like he knew uh, what they were trying to do, but he's like, you know, you and very much like a Loomis type character, he's like, you know, you don't understand who this person is or what he is or what he's capable of, and they're just like, oh uh, yeah, we'll be careful because at this point, <laughs> right. you almost start to wonder: is Leslie crazy or is this, uh, you know, Doc Holleran or is he the crazy one? Because they they like are obviously kind of just like, okay, maybe, maybe not. And it, maybe he's just a crazy old man, like, or maybe he's just in on it. Yeah, because it, it, it kind of has you wondering, what is really happening here? Um, and it's just, it's just brilliant. The Again, the pacing with it, and I think it does help having those moments of cinematic film mixed in with the found footage to really help t- not only tell the story, but to drive it home and to kind of uh, pace it in a way that makes it easier to follow because sometimes found footage is hard to follow with the pacing and i think that just helps spice it, it up a it, little it becomes a little disjointed a little bit uh when you have a full found footage movie but yeah when he shows up it's almost like a you know blink you, you blink and you're just like is that loomis like nope that's fucking robert england and like you don't even have to ask who the hell he is when he pops up Yeah, you're, you're just, just like, oh yeah, he's he's here to get Leslie. <laughs> yeah, he he's here, he's that guy. And kudos to them for getting Robert Englund, man. You know, back in the day, like that's pretty fucking iconic that, that to, to, to play that crossover Loomis kind of character. I just again, this is another chef's kiss. I'm going to be throwing that term out a lot here, but it's, it's... oh, I, you know what? Throw those chef. Kisses, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm right there with you and. Here's the deal. I've always enjoyed seeing Robert England in roles where he's not, you know, in makeup. You know, Adventures of Ford Fairlane being one, you know. Oh, um, I love him in that. Yes. Hello, and it's like, hello. It's like I never <laughs> knew he was in that. So I saw the movie and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Robert England. But Robert England, apparently, um, which I, I my first movie I ever worked on in 2013 was Fear Clinic. And he's obviously the lead in that. Oh, and love I that movie! I, did, I had no yeah. idea you even worked on that, dude. Yeah, no that was idea. my first movie I ever worked on. I, love that I, movie. I, I'm in the credits as uh, FX intern, and they spelled my name wrong. Finger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude, my name was getting spelled wrong a lot early on. Uh, but <laughs> um, on set, there was a day where I got to record uh, his voiceover for the teaser trailer, right? So I'm talking to him and stuff, and I was like, hey, I was like, you know, I'm not here to, like, nerd out. I want to be respectful and professional, but I was like, 
I gotta say, man, I loved you in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Liza Vernon. He says, I tell you what, he said, that is one of my favorite performances. That is one of the favorite movies I've ever got to work on. And to this day, I mean, apparently he talks a lot about that film. And if you bring it up to him and have him sign stuff, he gets very excited. Uh, my buddy, a uh, good friend of mine, Zach Bender, met him at Horror Hound back in like 2018 and got him to sign his big uh, crowdfunder poster, the J- uh, the Justin Osborne poster that uh, you and I were talking about. Yeah, I, I, I Robert, have one of those. Yeah, apparently Robert nearly jumped out of his seat. He was like, this is one of my favorite movies I've ever worked on. And he's just like, dude, it's one of my favorites, you know. And um, I guess he was so excited about there being potential for a sequel i guess he had offered at one point to help produce it to help like fund it and get it made uh but you know uh, we've all heard the stories you know people not liking the scripts things changing people coming in and out of the project and you know it's it's all common stuff it all happens yeah it, with these movies which is very unfortunate but um you know it, to to imagine getting more of that character because he's not in the movie a lot no, he's, he's not. only in it in a couple scenes. Um, I do love at really... one point when he says, he literally says, expect to see more of me. And he almost kind of winks at the camera like that, like just butterfly of a wink. And I'm just like, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, fucking, let's and, get more and of I, And I, then I, you don't really like, get a lot more of him. No. And, and it's like, it's kind of like implied that he dies, uh, but we don't really know. And it's just, there's so much there that I'm like, man, you could do so much more with that character. Because clearly... Uh, he has backstory with Leslie, and that's implied. He's like, you know, this is his real name. Uh, he just picked up this Leslie moniker when he was in the asylum. And it is kind of implied around this time in the story um, that Leslie was locked up in a psychiatric ward at, at one point or another. And, I mean, and you got to think, and this is just kind of goes to tell the depth of the writing of this film. That if we existed in a real world with real killers like, you know, Jason, Michael, Freddy, so on and so on, if somebody said, yeah, that's the career path I want to choose, yeah, they're probably going to get locked up. Like, they're probably yeah. going to want to seek some help. They're either going to end I, up dead or in jail. Well, one of the two. For real. And so I feel like it's kind of cool that they added that little layer to it because it's like, okay, rooting this back into realism realistically if somebody was pursuing something like that like yeah they're gonna get locked up but then implying that you know we thought that he got better and now he's doing this and i'm just kind of on his trail trying to but but it's like again like leslie said i can't be seen out mowing the lawn and doing stuff like this so yeah he's laying low so he doesn't get caught and it's it just it adds a whole nother layer to the leslie character by introducing this Doc Holleran character and it's just and it kind of spices up everything with the film crew because now at this point if they weren't already skeptical about what was happening at this point in time they had to be like well now you're just lying to us you're not actually doing this you're not actually a killer Leslie right, right. is not a real legend you made all this up you know and it just kind of um, again it kind of creates that 
um, conflict and a little bit of turmoil to kind of spice it, spice the story up a little bit yeah. more. Because I've heard some people complain about why does the film crew stay around as long as they do? Because I don't think, like, you know, and I, I can see those arguments, but it's like, I also see the other side of it, just like you were just explaining. You don't, th I don't think they thought it was real. I thought they thought it was a, a fantastic story this guy was telling, and they were just listening to the, you know, possibly listening to the ramblings of a crazy man. And when Doc Halloran shows up, he kind of drives that point home. Yeah. You know, and, but yeah, yeah, but it's England, just, it, what it's, a, he's such a wonder to watch as Halloran. I love, like you said, I love seeing him in stuff where he's just not in makeup, you know, and he's not, I love him as Freddie. I'm not, I'm not knocking the Freddie character at all, but it's just a nice change to see him in roles like this. Absolutely. Cause I think he's such a, he has such an expressive face and he has just his mannerisms and just everything about how he carries himself and how he delivers lines. And like I said, the, the facial expressions and just the way he carries his voice. I mean, everything about Robert and how he acts, he's just, he's a wonder. And I just, this performance is just absolutely unbelievable. And I, and I wish like, obviously love seeing him as Freddie, you know, and I would love to see him play himself more, you know, getting to see him in stranger things. Season four was so cool. You know, see, seeing him work on fear clinic was awesome. Uh, Ford Fairlane, obviously. Oh, good awesome. one for me. He's not in it much, but as one I saw premiere at, at horror hound uh, many years ago was a uh, Funhouse massacre. Yes. Funhouse oh, massacre. That, that stupid was shot fun in... movie, stupidly fun movie. Oh yeah. That was shot in the, the Dayton, Ohio area it was, yeah. uh, d down in Middletown at uh, land of illusion. That was, yep. uh, you know, a fun movie. And just, it's like Tony Todd. Like, yes, I like seeing Tony Todd as Candyman, but seeing him cameo in other places, it's like, he's such a good actor that, like, yeah, he needs to do more than just that. Like, because he's capable of so much more. And it's, uh, you know, I love, like, Kane Hodder, for example. Again, I love seeing him play Jason, but when he does stuff that's not that, it's kind of cool to see it. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes these people get kind of roped into playing a character with a mask or in makeup. And it's like, man, I would love to see them do more than that. And so seeing him play almost the polar opposite of a Freddy Krueger type character in playing yeah, he's, of a hero is playing just, the guy chasing the killer. Yes, it's super satisfying to see that. And uh, like I said, it's it's one of my favorite performances that I think he he's ever delivered. Um, in one of my favorite movies. I mean, it's just, it's so cool seeing that. I think the what shines through in this movie, you know, not just the performance, it's not just the way it's shot, but it's how it's written. Yeah. The, the matter of factness that you get with Leslie's character, like when it gets midway through the movie and he starts explaining, okay, this is, you know, I'm setting up my event. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm set up my sur survivor girl or, you know, final girl. He's like, you know, he starts ex well, just explaining some of the rules, you know, like this, this was kind of at the point, too, where he kind of does confess that I'm not exactly who I say. I am, but, you know, if you guys decide to come back and, and stick with me through this, um, you know, I can show you everything you want to see, everything you want to know. And that's mm -hmm. where it really gets deep into the planning where he starts like explaining every little detail of how do you orchestrate the you know, like how he set up the, the house you know nailing yeah. the windows shut you know loosening you know the you know making hairline fractures and a random axe that's laying there you know and you know just going through all of that you know explaining what how the closet is off limits because it's symbolic of, of you know 
being a safe place like a womb, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he explains his code of ethics and how also the fact that nobody can get away. He tells them he tells this group that he's been I mean, we're, we're spoiling things here along the way, but he's been setting them up the entire time. And it's so beautifully done. It's like, you know, after I watched it the first time, you know, obviously I know what's going on. So watching him work on you know, watching Leslie work, you know, in subsequent viewings is just like, oh, but brother, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy because it's like after you, when you watch it your first time and if you have not seen this movie and you're listening to this right now, what are you doing? Uh, stop immediately. <laughs> Go watch. Right. I would not recommend uh, listening no, no, to no, no. any major spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I would but... not suggest listening to any cinema degeneration podcast if you had not watched the movie first. Oh, for real. Because it's like <laughs> we spoil we, all we get so in depth, like there's just no way. But um, and when you watch it the first time, it's so shocking when you realize shit, these kids are in it. But, you know, after watching it, you know, two or three times, you start to pick up that he's like, he's basically telling them, you guys are about to be so fucked and here's why. But he also gives away just enough to help Taylor survive and make it through. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, again, like with the Apple press, you know, yeah, case in point, he basically literally explains like, you know, here's how you're going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's I love so how he's chewing, chewing an apple and, and like working the crank and just sticking an apple in his mouth and kind of talking around it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so awkward, but it's beautifully awkward. It's really, really funny. Just again, just kind of drives home that this guy's either insane or hilarious or both. And we don't know. Um, yeah, I think a little column A, a little column B. A little bit of both, you know? Yes, yeah. that's, that's what it takes. And I love this, the thing about this scene, and it cracks me the hell up every time is the way it kind of fast forwards and rewinds and like jumps around and yes. as he's explaining everything, but is when the girl takes her shirt off and obviously reveals that her tits are out and she's like, Oh, come on. He's like, Hey, 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 this is my fantasy. And <laughs> In my story, I'm telling it my way. <laughs> I'm going to tell it how I want to tell it. Okay. So like chill out. But, um, you know, again, just how, as he's explaining something, someone will like either Doug or Todd will ask a question. He's like, I'm glad you asked that. And then he rewinds and then shows you how he sabotaged something. He's like, and that's how that didn't happen. And it's just like, holy shit, man. He has thought all of this through. Like when he's just, talking about the windows and like, couldn't they still escape? And he's like, well, you know, they'd only get out through the second floor and then they'd be on the roof and they'd be fucked anyways. Yeah. And it's you like, know. or if you took a fall from here, you're going to break an ankle or, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. And, and it's like, well, what about the cars? Well, I will have taken the spark plugs and I will have unhooked this. And it's just like every little thing. Because let's be real. When we watch a horror movie, everyone's like, just get in the car and drive away or like jump out the window. And it's like, well, here's why you realistically couldn't do that. Because right. if they wanted you dead, here's how they're going to make sure that happens. Because like, like you said, and like he said, no one's making it out of this unless I want them to. Yeah, because he's, he's as he says at one point, he's like, it just looks bad. He's like, it makes you look bad. And he's like, we can't have that. Yeah. You know, it's <sighs> like everybody who has a job to do, no matter what that job is, you're going to want to do a good job. You're going to want to do it right and make sure because if not, you know, you're going to make you look bad. You're going to get fired. And it's like, again, kind of driving home that he's like, he <laughs> takes pride in his work, you know, and he wants to make sure it's uh... done correctly.
That's just the one point when they realize what's really going on when all the kids are showing up at the house and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to prevent them from being killed. Essentially, you know, when when uh, Angela as Taylor is just like, you know, we're not going to stand for this. We're not going to let this happen. And I can't remember again if it was I think it was Todd that says something. He's like, holy shit, this is really happening. And I'm like, yeah, you think. This is literally what you guys came for, you know, and it's it's crazy when the kids are showing up. You know, obviously he's uh, up in the barn. He's suiting up. He's putting on the makeup, and he's like, you know, it's a mix. I of love like, the the talk about the Vaseline and how he's like a you know like a boxer, you know. Yeah, would, and would it's do. like you know this will make sure that uh, there's no swelling. It'll keep my face from bleeding, and this is how I'll be able to see, and I don't swell up. And you know, and it's just like, because again, like every killer in every movie ever gets the fucking shit beat out of them. It's like. If you've ever, like, taken an injury to the head, you know, you, you as well as I would know that if you get hit in the eye, man, you're not seeing anything. If you bust your nose, your eyes water up and you can't see. If you get right. cut on the head, you're going to bleed a lot. You're going to bleed like, like Rick Ric Flair in a death match. You're just going to have a, and the I crimson think about, mask. I think about wrestlers and stuff. I'm like, man, how do you even keep going from a certain point? Because I've sustained head injuries that have bled a lot i've busted my nose open and it's just like recognizing like how much that is how debilitating that can be to just like you know anything and he's like oh well here's how we keep that from happening and it's just it's like they thought about every little detail of well someone's going to complain about this because they're going well how did they and they come up with an answer for it to to kind of like shut up any naysayers that would be like oh that couldn't happen well here's why it could Right, and they're all like very plausible answers. It's not like, oh, they just threw that out, you know, they just pulled that out of their hat and like, no, this seems like it would actually work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think, and we talked about this a little bit ahead uh, before, uh, either before recording or earlier on, but it's like the moment when I feel like between, you know, obviously when he has this freak out on Taylor, when when she's like, you know, here's your real name, we know you're faking this. And I feel like at that moment, they knew he was actually crazy. But I feel like the moment they realized how fucked they were is the moment when they're hiding in the in the closet and, you know, the couple goes in there and he it's like clockwork. He was like, and they'll be entering the room now. And, and then they come in and the couple starts yep. having sex. And he's like, all right, it's showtime. And he goes in there. And I mean, you don't see what happens, but you definitely hear it. And he's just I mean, it sounds pretty and, juicy. And it sounds disgusting. And, uh, of course, one of my favorite lines from the whole movie, uh, lace, your, lace up your boots, kiddies. It's getting wet in here tonight. And uh, boy, did it. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. Every movie I work on, the first day we do special effects, that is the first thing I say to everyone on set. Because Oh, really? <laughs> I swear to God, every movie I work on, uh, that is my first thing I say when I arrive to set. Um, just because, you know, it's time for the blood, you know? And um, for real, I mean, that's they I mean, they're standing there in complete terror, like, oh, my God, he just went in there and killed two people like he actually just killed two people. And they're just like shit. And because it's about around this time where they're like, all right, fuck you. We're out. And he's like, well, fine. Go then. Bye. And then he's like, like, I don't need you. I I don't need you guys. I still got a job to do whether you're here or not. I'm going to see this through. Because I've waited my whole life for this. I'm going to go do it. 
and you know he goes off and this is the moment where we kind of transition over into the um the more cinematic point in the film uh where they realize that they are now a part of his equation as he calls it yeah yeah when it and it does so like again so flawlessly it's almost just like a a transition like it just comes over and the real cinematics uh, begins and when he just starts, when he, you know, tries to send the crew on their way, they should have just left. But would they have been able to leave? Because did he already at that point already have their car, you know, uh, disabled? Because he gave them. He gave them a chance to leave. And what they don't realize is that was him saying, this is your last opportunity because you're you're going to die tonight. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like. Again, once you've he's warning them without warning them, you know, absolutely. Once you've seen the movie two or three times, it it becomes more apparent that that's what he's doing. But your first watch through, you think you don't really think much of it until it all starts coming down. And you're just like, oh, shit, you know, and, and, you know, they go in and they're trying to warn the kids. And obviously the kids are like, who are you guys? (laughs) <laughs> you're like, like you're the guys that have been following us, you know. Yeah, at one point, like, uh, what, what, what's the girl's name? Kelly? Is that the uh, character's I name? That's I believe it's Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, the Kate Miner plays. That's the uh, was the original Survivor girl. Again, I'm using air quotes yes. here that you can't see. <laughs> I, I love the fact when you know because every he does explain this is jumping backwards a bit that the the final girl, the survivor girl, has to be a virgin. He's like, how do you know? He's like, well, how do you, you know, tell a person to make a cake, how to make a cake? They just know. They just know how to do it. And I'm I'm, I'm, uh, ad-libbing a bit, but, you know, it's something to that effect. But uh, we quickly find out that uh, she is no virgin, because even, uh, I think, Todd says at one point, he's like, no virgin fucks like that on the first time. When they walk (laughs) in on her with with the jock, and it's just like, that's when I that's actually the one the point when I realized that when I was watching it the first time my that's when my mind clicked and I was just like oh she's not the final girl Taylor is yeah and I was just like I, I caught it the first time because you know just being a writer I just kind of was just like well something else has got to be up but this guy is obviously a real fucking killer he's not faking it but I'm just like oh that's when he'd been setting it up all along. Now, I, at that point, I felt like I needed to rewind the movie. Then again, again we were almost at the end, <laughs> you know, like yeah. rewind to the beginning. I'm like, where did I miss all that? It's kind of like that moment in Saw when Jigsaw gets up on the floor. It's just like, oh, you motherfuckers. I see what you like. There. No way. And, and, and you kind of and again, once you've seen the movie a couple times and you rewatch, you can kind of see when he describes the survival girl, when he describes what he looks for and when what's required, it's like. It's like he's describing her to a T, and then by the end of the movie, when you realize, okay, it's not her, and then it's like you start to look around, and you're like, oh my god, it has to be Taylor. He's been yeah. planning this from the get-go, and they even bring up a point um, in in the film where they even do state that he's been planning this all along. We've been a part right. of this since day one, and we just didn't realize it. You know, we th- we've been a part of this equation the whole time and it's did they, just oh go ahead good no 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 sorry go ahead i was gonna say did they ever explain now maybe it's something i've missed somewhere along the way did he contact them first or did they contact him first do they ever actually say who contacted yes, him first he, I, I if i remember correctly because I, I was gonna watch this last night uh but i didn't because i i'm just gonna say i'm a huge fan of this movie 
I actually don't own it though. <laughs> I used to. Oh, for copy. shame! I know. How wild is that? I actually, as we've been talking, I just ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> okay, but, okay. So Leslie I, will forgive you. I used, I used to own a DVD copy, and I let someone borrow it, and I never got it back. Um, so oh, I hate I when that happens. Well, and it's been out of print for a while, or or just kind of hard to get a hold of. So I just never got one, and then I never ordered the Scream Factory when it came out. But it's it's like twenty bucks now, so I just picked it up. But um, but if I remember correctly, I'm, again, I've seen the movie literally a hundred times. Uh, if I remember correctly, though, he contacted them for this. Okay, and that's what made that's me what I thought, more. but I wasn't one hundred percent positive. Yeah, and that's what made me realize even more that. He's been watching uh, Taylor the whole time, just like he's been watching all the others. And that's why he contacted her and contacted them to come do this. So they, it would be an easy way to convince them to come and be a part of it. And, you know, using it as a front of, oh, yeah, you guys are just going to film me and what I do. And it, it's almost like the movie Creep, if you've ever seen that. Uh, I've seen he, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the way he contacts these people with ulterior motives but he puts up a front like this is what i'm gonna have you do but they're a part of this sick twisted fantasy that he has and that's kind of how this plays out again very ahead of its time that you know he's like oh yeah you're just filming me doing this but in reality he's been watching her and he he knows and it just it again it is so well written the way this is put together and it's just it's it's mind blowing and, and watching people's reactions to this when they watch it the first time and make that connection. It's like, it, it's like watching fireworks go off in someone's face. It's, it's really, yeah. really Ain't it though? Uh, I had, I had that experience when I showed it to my wife, Patty, for the first time when we first started dating and got together. I'm just like, Oh, you haven't seen this. All right. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this one dusted off for you. It was almost a deal breaker. I'm like, okay, if she doesn't like this movie, it might be over. <laughs> but it is just so. I, I, I do so love the scene when the one girl says, you know, basically says, I'm sorry, I'm not a virgin. And then her friend just dies. Like right off, <laughs> like, like the next second, like, I'm sorry, I'm not a virgin. And Taylor is just in the background, almost like, you know, co collapsing, you know, into that wall. You know, when yeah. she's just like crying and everything. And this is where I realize it's not a hundred percent uh the, the shirt that I'm the, the shirt that she's wearing, it's not a hundred percent a Pamela Voorhees sweater, but it's fucking very close. I don't know if you noticed oh, that it's dangerously close, yeah. It's, it's just it's just that it's a zip up. It's just a zipper, uh, you know, a zip up. I'm like, but god damn if it isn't a, a fucking Pamela Voorhees sweater from the original Friday the 13th. Absolutely. And uh -huh. it's just again, uh down to even the the wardrobe that people are wearing. I mean, everyone just fits these these stereotypes and things and um you know, the my favorite mm, Okay, I, I can't say my favorite scene because they're all, it's like the whole movie's my favorite scene. Um, but one of my favorite shots from the movie is when they all are like, okay, we need to run out to the van. Uh, he didn't sabotage our van, uh, so we're going to run out to that. And they run out, and they're trying to fire the car up, and they look in the rearview mirror, and they see him standing in the fog with the light silhouetting behind him. Oh, he just yeah. that flip with the, with the scythe and then tilts his head, and I was just like, oh, shit! Like... Yep. It's just, it, yep. you know, right before 
punching through the fucking window and ripping the guy's head out and then like breaking his neck and it's just it's so brutal and um that's such an iconic shot it, it him standing uh in the in the lights among the fog it's just that one of the best shots of the movie absolutely and it's in the trailer so it's like you're like oh because when you see the trailer for this movie if the trailer does not absolutely sell you on this like i i and, and i just i don't know man like i the i obviously saw the trailer before the movie and i was just like i have to see this um because i again going way way back to when i saw it the first time you know, you see the trailer for movies and other movies, uh, especially when it's from the same distributor. And uh, so I'd seen that. And then, like I said, you know, you go out, you see the movie cover and it's like there's so much iconic imagery within this film. You know, uh, when Leslie's like pretending to be a scarecrow and opens up his eyes. When yeah. He's dead, and, you know, that shot is oh. like so creepy. And I think what makes his mask so eerie with the costume is just his proportions seem off. The face seems kind of distorted, but you can see his eyes through right. the mask. You can see his eyes, and it's just like this blank stare. You know, Michael Myers is scary because you can't see it, and but it's like a very hum- human-like face. But this, it's like it's like a distorted face, but you can see the look on his eyes with that blackness around it. And you know, there's even that scene oh. where I can't remember if it's Todd or Doug. Uh, that he chases out into the field and they kind of start that's Todd. The mud. Todd. That's Todd. Yeah. And because the mud he tries, so... br- but the uh, Todd tries begging for his life. Oh, and he's like, Leslie, it's me, dude. It's me. You, you can stop. Like, it's Todd, remember? And it's like, and even yeah, pulls Leslie, off his just... mask at one point and he's staring at him. You realize that Leslie's not, never going to stop. Yeah. He's just not there. He is so in the zone. And he knows what he needs to do. And he's not in, like you said, he's not going to stop. He is going to finish this just like he said he would. And that means, Hey, yeah, we were friends before, but that's over now. You know, that, that's that all done. Failed. <laughs> you almost expect them to just be like, why are you bringing up old shit? And then just, you know, kill him, get it Absolutely. over with. And I'll say, you know, being it, being an FX guy and being a fan of really over the top, crazy, gory stuff, this movie's not overly violent. Um, most no. of the kills are either cut away or happen off screen, but the ones that do aren't even super graphic. Like the goriest kill is um, the um, the post hole digger to the chest when he rips out uh, the heart. And yeah, that, and he places like, it in the in the guy's hand. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's not even. There's like almost no blood in that. You, it's all sound effects, you know, and I just, it, it shows that, like, yes, I love gore. I love seeing all that, and it's entertaining. Like I said, Reanimator is one of my favorite movies ever, and that one's uber gory. But, like, this, it, it didn't even need that because you still saw what you needed to see. Things that needed to happen still happened, and it's just, like, that was all kind of secondary um, because it, it just it didn't need all that, you know. The story was selling it enough. The performances were good enough, and it wasn't even about the kids dying, but it was just about the grand plan and and Taylor's survival. Because this is the point where all bets were off, and she had everything to lose, and the risks were through the roof. And, yeah, uh, and at this she's point, not part of the like, game. We we we've got to see her survive. You know, it it just that was such a huge turning point. 
Yeah, it doesn't work out for poor old Todd. It's probably he's probably the one person I felt sorry for in the movie because he thought he was going to get out of it. Thought he was going to get out of it with begging, and I love that he gets stuck in that same patch yeah. that Leslie has showed uh, Taylor before. When he was talking about the the night of the blood moon or something like that. Yeah, and he's just like the the ground would become so wet, and he's just that's where he gets fucking stuck. It all works out, you know, according to his his plan. The, the this is the one point thing I got to bring up. It's the one. It's my one criticism of the movie. I know I said at the beginning I had very few criticisms. And this is the only thing that I feel uh, that felt... Uh, what I'm going to say here is that this felt rushed is when uh, Englund shows up as Halloran again. Yeah. It, it, he did say, you know, at some point I expect him to show up. He's going to show up out of nowhere, which he does. Oh, yeah. But I, I wanted to see them have a fight. I just wanted to see... Leslie and Doc go at it, even if it was just for a few seconds, but it just seemed like that part was over far too quickly. Yes. And I understand. I'm like, you know, having somebody like England on set is got to be expensive. And I'm sure you can only get him for so much time. But like, ah, that was was the one point where I was watching the movie. It's like, oh, he's going to, you know, off Halloran that quickly. Like, ah, like, Come well, on, it, man. I think the thing that, <laughs> that sucks about it, too, is like I at least wanted to see them have a conversation or see Halloran try to reach Leslie or say something right. that could like trigger Leslie or have them duke it out. But it's just like it's so quick and, and clean cut that it's just like, well, oh. that's it. And, and that's what like, I expected, uh, like England to have some grandiose Loomis type speech, you know, about it. Absolutely. Know, and try to talk him down. And I wanted that. And and. And that's kind of one of the things when you see the movie the first time, especially when it first came out, you're like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a sequel. We got to know if he made it out because I'm because at the end, obviously, um, Doug makes it out. He ends up living because he's like, well, if you want her, you got to go through me. And then he just bonks the dude's head on the post. Yeah. And like knocks him out. And I'm like, oh, it's shit, almost like God. a Three Stooges t- take. It's just like, <laughs> doing it, it, it. Again, for for a scene and a stretch in the film where it becomes legitimately horrifying, it's like those little bits of comedy that are still kind of there that kind of help, you know, ease it up a little. But I I, I did really want to see more of the Doc Halloran character. And, and honestly, this movie truly is, in my eyes, a, a, I mean, damn near perfect. And that is one of the only complaints I have is that it, it just did feel the last like 10 minutes do feel a little bit rushed, especially yeah. from when, when Doc Hollering gets like snuffed out all the way up to uh, our final scene of Taylor, you know, returning to the orchard and hiding inside of the um, um, inside of the, uh, the apple shack and all that. And it just, it, that last little stretch does feel a little bit rushed a little bit. Um, I think another five, ten minutes on the end there uh, would have done it a lot of good. But again, it's not even a complaint. It's just because I loved it. It's a minor, cri- it's a minor criticism. I, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing for, for them to leave you wanting more, you know? Uh, that's they always say that's a good thing. We always leave them wanting more. But yeah, if I'm, if, it's a minor quibble. But that being said, I, I think the biggest thing that I, uh, the biggest note I had here was in towards the end was that they forgot some of the most important rules that like that Leslie and Eugene had said run keep fucking running and never look back and they break every single one of those rules oh yeah and that that's another thing for for these people 
interviewing Leslie, interviewing Eugene, hearing all the secrets, the amount of rules they break. Because even Taylor goes after one of the weapons that are split. You know, she ends up getting the, the right. right one. But it's like, it's like you've seen everything he's done. And yet everybody, not just the film crew, but even the teenagers, like everybody breaks all the rules that they said they would break. Because in every horror movie, the rules always get broken. You know, right. people never follow the rules. They never listen to the the harbinger of doom and all this stuff. And it's just like <laughs> everything will go wrong. And it's just it, it's just crazy to me. And uh, and they're totally right though. The the whole you know you keep running and you don't look back for anything. You don't fucking stop. And it's I it's amazing to me that that they kind of let that get away from them. But again. If you're in a panic in one of these situations, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about much else. I'm going to be like, yeah, shit. like I'm not there's, 50, there's 50 rules to remember. If I can remember 10 of them, I'd be a genius and I'm no genius for real. I'm just like, <laughs> Man, I'd be dead for sure. And I watch this shit all the time. <laughs> I don't know. The funny thing is Patty always asks me, she's like, all right, what would you do in this situation, Mr. Horror Man? And I'm just like, um, I'd be dead already. Like, <laughs> I'm no, don't ask me what to do, because I'd be dead a long time ago. Absolutely. Um, yeah, same here. But, but I love the foreshadowing with the, we get pretty close to the end here with our, with the the Apple Press. When she put, cracks his head in it, and, he, and he's like, it was always you, I think he says. Yeah, like, right, because he takes his mask off, because he yeah. almost breaks character. He's like, wait, 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 and then he, like, gets it off, and then it's like, he tries to talk, and she's like, yeah, no. And then, like, just goes ahead and, like, kills him. But it's it's one of the last things he says is uh, always knew it was you. And yeah. It's like it's kind of like in a gross, sick kind of way. It's kind of sweet in a way like it's because you can tell that he's like totally infatuated with her. And it's like I'm definitely not condoning what he did at all. Uh, but it's like it kind of. No, but it can't say that it doesn't that make for uh, interesting movie. Had. Yeah. And it, it does create an interesting dynamic, uh, you know, because we've always wondered, especially now with how they changed the lore of different movies. Why does Michael continue to pursue, you know, why does this person uh, stalk this person, you know? And it's like, it kind of gives a little bit of insight to that. And I think, again, like I said, even though he showed zero humanity when he was killing some of these other people, even when they tried to plead for their lives, that he broke character and there was a little smidge of humanity left right there before he quote unquote dies um yeah and, like, and it's it's <laughs> such a empowering moment um for a final girl you know everybody loves a good final girl everyone loves a strong female character in a horror movie and uh, in any movie and in taylor is so good because at the beginning like she's kind of quiet timid and you can tell she like takes control but it's like the way she goes completely feral by the end of this movie and like gets the upper hand and comes out on top and makes it out. And it's just like, it's just, it's an incredible scene. It's an incredible performance with the, with the orchard burning in the background and her walking away. And it's just like, Oh, it's so powerful. It's. Uh, and I love that it leaves an open ended, you know, especially with the ending we get over the end credits, which I had totally forgotten watching it this time. Didn't forget about the ending, but I forgot about the, the psycho killer song. Oh yeah. Playing. What a perfect song. I'm sure a big chunk of the budget went to that song, but God, you almost can't have the movie without it. Oh, that is absolutely worth every dime of, uh, of anything they spent because I mean, a perfect, I mean, I've always enjoyed that song. 
mm-hmm. but a perfect song to pair with this movie specifically for the end credits with that little bit in the morgue with the guy uh, working and Leslie kind of rising up, insinuating that he survived the blaze. Um, I love it. The, the, this, the sit up, just like Michael Myers, you know, just yep. sitting right the fuck up. That It's such a great scene. And it's such a great clip. And again, they just, they leave it so open for a sequel and it's just, it's begging for it. And I, I just, Leslie's too good of a, uh, of an, uh, uh, an antagonist. Uh, and I think, or protagonist, antagonist, I don't know. And antagonist. 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 Uh, and then, I think, and then, at least. I think I'm pretty sure. Leslie is such a charismatic and awesome bad guy. Doc Holland is such an incredibly well done hero. And uh, Taylor is such a perfect final girl. It's like this movie was made for the fans. And it's just, it, it, these characters are just so perfect. That how could you not want more? How could you not be begging for to see more, to 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 get more? And it's just, I, I made the, I kind of made the joke at one point in my Facebook post today, where I was like, you know, I know the fans of this movie want more, and they want a sequel, even if it's just one sequel. I know they want more Leslie, they want more Doc Holleran, they want more, um, they want more Taylor, and I think. Uh, that it's it's something people have been desiring since it came out and you know there's been interest over the years but i i, uh, you know, I, I just hope it, things can align in in, a, in the right way and people can agree to a budget and can agree to terms and can agree to a, a script and and give us the sequel that i think you know we all want and we all need you know <laughs> And, and I even made the joke on my Facebook post. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to hope for a sequel someday. I said, even if I have to make it myself, like, I don't even care. Like, I, for real, that would be a dream job. Uh, oh, wouldn't it? You know, oh. I, I mean, years ago when another sequel was being talked about right before the Blu-ray came out uh, through Scream Factory, there was rumblings of there being a sequel. Uh, I was friends with, uh, I still am, uh, her name is Sloane. Um, she, uh, she was, um, the, I guess the publicist for Scott Glosserman at the time, cause she's the one who got me the job doing the artwork and got me in contact with Scott. And, um, at the end of the day, she told me, she was like, you know, we, we are wanting to do a sequel. Um, you know, it might still happen. She's like, if it does, we can maybe get you on set for a day or two, or maybe get you on as a PA or something. And I was like, dude, that would be so awesome. You know, and it, obviously it never came to fruition. Um, but it's like at this point now where I am in my career, as I'm starting to like produce stuff, as I'm doing FX on more stuff and bigger stuff, it seems every project I do, the next one's bigger than the last. And I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like, who do I have to start getting together and having conversations with to make this happen? Because it's like this is becoming like my life goal is to get like a, <laughs> one of these like, you know, think about like movies like. Uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix or a movie like, you know, Halloween from 2018 and Halloween Kills. And, you know, these movies that are like sequels, but they're kind of like soft reboots at the same time. They kind of give you some backstory right. and then run with it with the same characters we're familiar with. And I'm just like, you could do that with this movie because with it being so meta, you could play on those elements very easily. And I would just man i would love to see it and uh i as much as i love this being its own movie and never becoming um you know overdone with 
a million and one sequels like some movies seem to get. But <laughs> it, it, it is it, it is something that I feel like it, it is an injustice to the horror community and to the world. There not being more of these characters because they're they're just so well rounded and so well put together that I just it, we need more. And I feel yeah. like having a movie like you know uh, one of those soft reboot sequels, requels, whatever you want to call them. I think having something like that would bring eyes back to the original movie, especially if you could get a deal with like Shutter or something, you know, to to release it or oh whatever yeah, it is. I don't. Yeah, like, if you could get some place you know, like like Shutter or Blumhouse, something, you absolutely. know. Absolutely. You know, so I, I don't know what I got to do, but I want a sequel, and I want it now. Yeah, um, exactly. I've been saying that for again, fucking years. It, it's, it's, it is a perfect movie. Uh, I think this is the first time I have ever done this within one of our things. I think the highest ranking I've ever given a movie that we've talked about has been an 8, and I gave an 8 to Predator 2. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you did. And and I would say that, you know, for me, Behind the Mask is easily a nine and a half. Like, literally, it doesn't get that second half just because I wanted more Doc Holliday. But that's literally Dude, the only reason it's not a exactly the same. The minor, minor uh, complaint is not even really a complaint. It's just something I wanted more of. Um, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at on it. Actually, when I when uh, we watched it last night, Patty had asked you. She's like, "When you know what? Uh, what are you giving this?" She's like, "A 10, right?" And I'm like, "I can't quite give a ten. I can't quite give a ten because I just it it left me one more Halloran, and it felt like that last little bit was a tad bit rushed. But it's easily a nine and a half. I I, I can't take much more off than a, a half a star. So I'm coming in exactly a nine and a half with you. And I think even if Halloran died. For sure. And his scene with Leslie there at the end had been a little bit longer. I I would have been fine with that, you know, because like I said, we don't really know what happened truly. Yeah, because he was wounded. He was hanging out with, with Taylor and uh, uh, the other crew member. I forgot who it was. That was a Doug. Yeah. But, uh, you know, did he survive from his wounds? Because he took a, sh- a scythe to the, you know, the sickle yeah, to the chest. It's like, it's like, maybe he's alive. Maybe he's going to make it. We don't really know. And that's why I say it's insinuated that, like, maybe, maybe not. Uh, just because he's he's wounded and there's, like, no resolution. And I think originally the uh, the courtroom scene was supposed to happen after that of them explaining what happened. Uh, but I don't think, you know, obviously that never came came out. But it's like, you know, if they would have killed him, maybe that scene was longer. I would have been cool with that. You know, had that scene just been longer, maybe like reveal that, yes, he did, in fact, make it at the end. Kind of do one of those um, classic things at the end where, oh, Taylor's now residing here. Here's how this affected her. This is what happened to this person. And yeah, they could have done anything like that, like they do in some documentaries. And I would have been fine with that. I mean, there's so much they could have done. Um, and again, it's not a complaint. It's just kind of a, uh, I, I just wanted more because I was enjoying it so much. Uh, yeah, you don't, yeah, this one you don't want to see, you don't want to see end. Oh, absolutely. And that's, uh, again, why I say it's just, it's such an easy 9.5 for me to give. And, and I mean, mo- and like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite movies ever. And I, I am biased just because it's something I've enjoyed that has, you know, opened a lot of doors and opportunities for me, and I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff surrounding it. But genuinely, it it, it is one of the best horror movies ever made. Like it, it deserves to be immortalized 
in uh, in oh, every horror sure. fans collection. You know, it's just it's such an iconic film, and I I mean it. I mean, some people are like, well, if I don't know about it, it's not iconic. Well, I mean, as a horror fan, if you haven't seen this, you are doing yourself an injustice. Because yeah, and if they don't know about it, maybe that's just on them. Yeah, you know that maybe that's not on on the movie for you know quote unquote not being good enough or big enough, but maybe that's on them for just not uh, giving a uh, a movie a chance. Uh, some people uh, can lead a horse to water, can't make him drink. But absolutely. Before we go, I have one question for you. Yes. Now, there's a lot of um, callbacks in this movie, a lot of uh, throwaway lines and different scenes and different. Uh, props and stuff that make it in from other movies and other references. Do you have a favorite meta reference in this movie? Because I know I have one. I'm just curious if it's, if, if it's the same one. Man, that's, that's tough. So I, I can name a couple um, just because one is super subtle and then one's there, but it's easy to miss. Uh, my, my favorite really subtle one that I think a lot of people miss is when they're at Eugene's house. The lament configuration from Hellraiser is in his living room, <laughs> just like chilling on a shelf. Um, yep, yep, I yeah, caught I that. Love yeah, that little one. Um, but <laughs> then uh, when they're stalking the kids for the first time, and he's like, "Oh, well, these are the stoner. They're kind of slow, but they're easy to pad your numbers." As they're panning over like the college campus or whatever, uh, you can see the jump rope girls from Nightmare on Elm Street, and I love that's that. it. That's 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 such. Because it, it's like just in passing, you're like, oh, it's whatever. But it's like, no, nah, that's that's from Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. Uh, that's mine. I love yeah, that. That's and, definitely mine. You know, but I mean, as far as like just I, there's so much of that in there and a lot of its names and like locations like, you know, when they first uh, introduced Taylor in front of the camera, uh, she's standing under the red rabbit or the rabbit in red lounge from Halloween. You know, it's just. Little yep. things like that that I think just really go a long way. But, um, I mean, God, there's also so many iconic lines from the movie. It's just, again, if this is something you haven't seen, why are you here? But also, if you've seen this movie and you don't quote it on the regular basis, like, you're messing up. Like, the whole Paradise Lost found it, that I laugh at that every single time. Um, <laughs> but then also just the whole, do you have any idea how much cardio I got to do? When he's breathing, he's like, "It's ridiculous." It's because <laughs> like, he's just so serious about it, but it's run, so comical. And I gotta like keep I up. Said, <laughs> I, like I said, every movie set that I go on, um, I quote Leslie with uh, "Lace your boots up, kitties." Every single, every single movie. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just so good. But there's a lot of great references that, again, if you're paying attention, you'll catch all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it's 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 all it's all great. the The whole movie is literally uh, just flat out incredible. I still uh, I think one of the the throwaway lines is uh, it's not even by Leslie, is by Doc. Mm-hmm. Is when he just says, "Expect to see more of me," and he winks, mm-hmm. just like, oh, yep, can't wait to see more of you, sir." <laughs> That's Absolutely. why we want another one. And again, that just like that kind of like fourth wall break and kind of play on hey, this is the kind of character I am. I'm going to show up again. And it's just, uh, it just adds to that meta nature and it just makes it that much better. I just cannot get enough of it. It's it's genuinely, it's it's so good. And uh, again, brilliant performances from everybody uh, in front of and behind the camera. 
uh, everyone was firing on all cylinders with this with this movie for real. It's it's i it's iconic. Everyone needs to see it. Um, everyone needs to know about it. And Leslie needs to be one of those characters that you see five or six people at cons dressing up as. You need to see yeah. more of that. You know, I want to see. Yeah, more you know, I don't want to just see one Leslie Vernon. I, I, you know, you, we we've seen enough Michaels. We've seen enough enough Voorhees, you know. I, I want to look across and see three Leslie Vernons walking around. Absolutely. I want to live in that world. <laughs> I, I want to live in a world where everybody's like, oh, dude, that movie's awesome. I want to live in a world where you see more T-shirts, you know, you see more uh, posters and artwork. And it's just like, and you see plenty of it, but it's just nowhere near what it should be, you know. I feel needs like to be Leslie, more. Leslie Vernon should be as big as Victor Crowley. Leslie Vernon should be as big as Art the Clown. You know, he has the personality to be that big. He is larger than life and deserves to be seen as such and to be uh, treated as such. And the and the fact that he hasn't is just is like I said, it is just a crime against humanity through and through. <laughs> Uh, I agree a hundred percent, you know, but again, you know, maybe we will get a sequel and, uh, you know, Hey, then, then we can cover it on the sequel to deja vu show. There's the yes. goal. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my goal. I'm going to, I'm going to start sowing those seeds and I'm going to, I'm going to start talking to people and I, I'm going to make that happen. You, you just wait. Uh, uh, well, if anybody gonna, can make it happen, sir, I know you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be a dream come true. Tr- truly. Oh, uh, well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the afternoon. Dude, I want to thank you for joining me for another appreciation month. You know, uh, I figured I figured when I presented it to you that you would pick behind the mask, you know, with the single serving slasher idea. I figured that's what you would go with. So it was not much of a surprise to me when you picked <laughs> this one. It's like, like I, I, I should just straight up, like, my first thought was like, I should just straight up ask him if he just wants to do Leslie Vernon. But like, maybe he'll pick something else. Maybe he'll pick something weird, you know, and out there. But you know, like yeah. I said, people who really know me uh, would know going into this. Yeah, that's the one Derek's gonna pick, <laughs> like <laughs> for sure. Because I, I mean, anyone who talks to me about that stuff, they know I love the movie, and um, you know, I like I said, I I can never say enough good things about it. And any opportunity I get to ramble on about this movie, I'm gonna take it because come on, it's that good. It, um, it is. And never get tired of it. It's this movie I could pop on at any time and just, you know, have it and pay attention to it 100%, but just have it on as background noise. It's it's just a fucking great movie. Oh, yeah. It's, but, yeah. it's perfect for any occasion. Perfect for parties, Halloween, Christmas, anniversaries, uh, honeymoons, you name it. It is the perfect movie for any scenario. Uh, background music, uh, cleaning the house, and you want to have something on TV just playing in the background, it's a good one. Or in my, in my case, uh, figuring out that I was dating the wrong girl and putting it on and, and catching all types of hell. So it helped me dodge a bullet that way. So yeah, Absolutely. Thank you, know, you, Leslie. So this thank movie, you, Leslie. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. This movie <laughs> will save your life. Um, <laughs> if you just true. pay attention to the goddamn rules. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, being said, um, we'll get out of here in a second. Do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to plug? And keep in mind, this is going to uh, drop uh, early on in probably first week of October. So Please if you wanted to. Well, geez, at that point, I will have, uh, well, by the time you guys hear this, uh, Macabre Mountain and Watchdog will both be in the can. And uh, I'll be actually amping up to uh, 
to work on a movie called The House Among the Trees, which shoots in uh, early November, as well as a movie called Coffin Tooth, which is by Matt Cloud, who did uh, Beneath the Old Dark House. Uh, got a lot ah. of fun projects coming up, but, uh, you know, um, just have a couple throughout the rest of the year. I'm actually uh, taking a little break uh, throughout November and December just so I can uh, spend spend uh, the holidays with family and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing a lot of concert travel this fall. So uh, that's uh, that's where the focus is going to be mainly. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, we were just uh, talking here at the old Scott household. We need some uh, concert therapy. Absolutely. So I'm going to look into doing some stuff next summer, but. That's yes, awesome. I'm actually next week, uh, you know, obviously when we're recording this, it's like mid, what, mid-August? Yeah, it's like, uh, what, the 12th, I think? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, yes, it is the 12th. Uh, we, uh, ne- this time next week, I'll actually be in Las Vegas. I'm on a very much needed vacation. Uh, nice. going to, to a music festival out there. So it's, uh, you know, concert therapy, it, it goes a long way, whether it's a little show or a huge arena show uh i i am always a big advocate for uh for concert therapy oh yeah uh, concert therapy live music goes a long way in my book absolutely well that being said bud i want to thank you again derek for uh joining me for uh this month's uh, single serving slasher episode i appreciate it thank you for having me on all right folks listening at home you have been listening to us dissect and review Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006. Thanks, as always, for listening. You have no idea how much cardio I have to do. It's ridiculous. Why so much? Well, you gotta be able to run like a freaking gazelle without getting winded. And plus, there's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking and everybody else is running their asses off. Oh, right. Then I gotta stay with them. Yeah. This is tough, man.